ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of the Varsity Link Coaches Corner on the Shore Sports Network. Bob Batters alongside Scott Stump for another week talking Shore Conference football. We're in between weeks five and six, so really getting into the you know, the second half of the season. It's October now. Uh, division titles are, are coming up where there's some huge games that are going to decide those. Playoff pictures starting to round into form. It's an exciting time of the year. Uh, and we've got two great programs we're going to feature today. We'll talk with Point Burrow head coach Brian Staub, the undefeated Panthers, coming off a huge win over Rumson in week five. We'll talk to Brian about that. And then later on, Tom's River South head coach Matt Martin, the Indians, a four-game winning streak, first time since 2013. And they are in the thick of the Liberty Division race, another huge game coming up on Friday night at Detweiler Stadium. So, Scott, like I said, week five, we had some really good non-divisional matchups. So some different some different looks from some of these teams. We got uh, some interesting results out of that, certainly headlined by the Point Burrow Rumson game, which we'll get into. But there were some other ones out there that were pretty intriguing. And, uh, you know, we saw some teams push ahead, keep stay undefeated. We saw some other teams kind of rise up off the canvas. And, uh, you know, a bunch more teams just kind of set themselves up for a big week six. Yeah, it's crazy that this suddenly became this coming week, like division title weekend. Yeah. I think like four teams or four teams or six teams technically, but four games yeah. could result in a, no worse than a tie for a division mm-hmm. title for the winner of those games. So we're already to that time of the year. And yeah, like you said, Point Borough, that was the most impressive uh, win of the weekend. Also, Middletown South kind of getting back into form in our other top 10 matchup against Colts Neck. And then you had, you know, Howell getting off the deck yes. for their first win, surprising Manalpin. You had Matawan roaring back into the picture, handing Pinelands their first loss. Uh, yeah, so you had a lot of teams. You had Ocean struggling and then coming out and surprising Raritan kind of in like a, you know, very mm-hmm. even match game. Uh, so it's that time of year where there's a lot of um, games where teams are going one way or the other. You know, yeah. either we're getting the momentum or we're Those getting the playoffs games, yeah. or maybe this season is not going to go like we hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of that, you know, where you you start the season with expectations the teams do. You know, we kind of have what we feel like is going to happen. And then there's always a point in the season where it just turns on its side. and It's like, okay, what we thought was left is now right. And uh, you try to figure it out. Uh, the the Shore 16 has been in flux the last couple of weeks. We've had three new teams each week, tons of movement. Uh, that was the same thing this week, three new teams. And, you know, really from four on down, we had a bunch of teams changing spots. Yeah, and the, th- the other thing too is, is a lot of them are have some of them have been on a collision course. Mm-hmm. It feels like Jackson and Marlboro, they they're both undefeated. Yep. One of them is going to get their first loss this weekend. There's a division title on the line in that game when they face off. Uh, Tom's River South now has built the steam to where them and Pinelands they've kind of been on a little bit of a collision. That's going to go down on Friday night at Detweiler Stadium, and you have other teams that are just surprising people. How about Homedale? Three shutouts in a row. Yeah, the last time they allowed a point was in week two. Best start since 2007 mm-hmm. after going one and eight last year. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely one of the stories of the shore when it comes to turnaround programs. They can clinch at least a tie for a division mm-hmm. title with a win this week against Ocean. Um, so, yeah, th- there's a lot of teams that have surprised, mostly, though, in the probably the, the smaller school divisions. Yeah that's been most of your like surprises, you know, or struggling teams that have really turned things around. Like, whereas in the American division with point borough, with teams like that, they're living up to expectations more than anything. Um, And then you have a team like brick memorial, which there was, 
you knew the talent was there, certainly at the quarterback position with Connor Deeds. Could they put it together and have a winning season? And yeah, they're six and zero right now. So that's another team where we, you looked at them in the preseason. You said, look, they they have a lot of talented players. They can make a run, and they've lived up to it. Yeah, and they could be pushing for a number one seed. I mean, the last time they won a state title, if I'm not mistaken, was when uh, Coach Stahl yes, was running the true. triple option how, for how, the uh, Mustang. How is that for a segue? So why don't we get right to that? Yes, that was the last time. 2000. That was a great win over Sayreville at Rutgers. I remember that. And I'm sure our next guest does as well. So we're happy to bring in Point Borough head coach Brian Staub. The Panthers, a huge 42-28 to victory over Rumps and Fairhaven. They improved to 6-0. They're our Jersey Mike's team of the week. The Panthers flying high, doing it on offense in a huge way and doing it on defense as well. So, Brian, first of all, thanks for taking some time tonight and joining us. And uh, congrats on a big win. Thank you, guys. No problem at all. You know, love to be here and excited to talk some football. Your alma mater. We we're talking about them. I'm sure you remember that year fondly that day at uh, at Rutgers. What twenty four nothing over Sayreville, right? Twenty four nothing. That was a good time. Good good game. Good team. So, a, a huge win. Obviously, the offense was the story. You know, I, I got the final the final box score from you. Five hundred and twenty three yards of offense is an insane number. I don't care who you're playing, and the fact that you did it against Rumson just speaks, you know, even highly or higher, I should say, of your offense. When you had a chance to go back and watch the film, what stood out to you as being the most impressive thing that you saw? Um, I think first, you know, offensive and defensive lines. Um, I know we're talking about the offense, but it was a complete, complete game, complete team win. And that's what we needed in order to be a team like Rumson. Uh, so the O-line played, they played great. They, they really did. They, they got a push. Um, our quarterback, Matt Olfine, had a great day. Not just his stats, but reading it and getting the ball to the right guy at the right time. Um, and I felt like we were just clicking on all cylinders and, and some of our playmakers made plays in key situations. And coach, I think, you know, everyone knows about Matt Oliphant's just devastating ability as a runner. You know, you miss one tackle, the guy's gone 70 yards, one of the best runners in the, the short conference, one of the best in the state. But I think I was most impressed. He went seven for seven. He threw three touchdown passes. Because that's often, I don't know, the, the knock or like the the when you run the triple option, hey, if your quarterback has to throw the ball, can he really hurt guys, hurt teams? And he did that. I mean, what did you take away from his performance just as a balanced effort throwing and passing? Yeah, I mean, that, that was huge. That was a huge, you know, key to the game going into it. And we're certainly going to need that moving forward as, as we make this playoff push. But uh, again, I think it started up front and, and Matt was comfortable and the O-line picked up some crazy blitzes. Sometimes they had six, seven, you know, even eight guys coming. Our O-line, our fullbacks held tight. Matt bought enough time. Sometimes he was throwing, you know, off that back leg, but just making plays and, and putting in spots where uh, Samoes or Forfar or Colin Obser could make a play, and, and that's what those guys did. You know, the triple option is just that. I mean, you have your quarterback, your fullback, and your slot backs, your pitch guys, and you certainly use the pitch guys a few times, but it was really, you know, the two-headed monster with, with Matt and Jake up the middle. So that just, at least to me, that speaks more of just winning at the point of attack and that job the offensive line did. I know you spoke about them, but they've been doing it all year. And this was a group that, you know, you, you lost Cole Skinner to graduation, who's a massive human being. He's now down at South Florida. Uh, and you have to have a couple new guys step in. So how impressive has that unit been just getting it done each and every week? Like you have the horses in the backfield. But if the line's not blocking it, no one's going to be able to get it done. Those guys have really stepped up, I thought. Exactly. I think people are seeing a program being built. And, of course, we lose. We lost Cole Skinner last year as well as other talented seniors. So people, I think, weren't sure how 
you know, up front we were going to be. But we had guys that we thought we, we were high on. We thought they were ready. They had a great offseason in the weight room. Uh, you know, they have good size. They're not the biggest, but we have good size. I think they have great explosiveness off the ball. Coach Ryan Canary, Coach Kyle Ryan, you know, we get after it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then that translates to games on Friday. So it, it absolutely starts with them, no doubt. And I thought another important aspect of that Rumson game was you pretty much had blown out everyone else you played. But that game was a dogfight. Like you went up 14 nothing. They come back. It was a little bit of a punch, counter punch. Like, I guess how important is it to have one of those games? Because I, I know last year you had the overtime game. I think it was St. John Vianney, like close to the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. But it's like you you want to see get tested. You want to have to play hard deep into the fourth quarter because you know as you get into the postseason, that's what the games are going to be like. So that must have been a good thing too, just to get a real test and see what, you know, how many times have you guys been tied or, you know, had a team even been able to really take the lead on you later in the game? It hasn't happened a lot, but you guys showed a lot, I thought, battling back when they were kind of counterpunching to your touchdowns. No, definitely. I think it shows just the maturity and, you know, senior leadership of this team and you know, it was one of the keys to victory. We talked about it. We said, guys, you know, if we get a lead, I don't think anyone plays more comfortably from behind than Rumson. And we kind of used the sectional final versus Raritan as a good example of that. You know, down 17 to start the fourth, absolute no panic at all. You know, we, we have so much respect for that coaching staff and that program. So, I mean, we, I don't think I felt comfortable until maybe the first kneel down. You know, it was just we, we knew we were in for a dogfight. You guys went into the game offensively, I think, averaging right around 42 points a game, maybe a little bit more, and you scored 42, so you're right there with that. Defensively, I know you gave 20, 28 points, but it was extremely impressive in the way you defended that Rumson passing attack. And I know going back to last season, the one game you guys lost, it's where you got burned, getting beat over the top a lot. So this was a challenge for your defense, and especially your secondary. How impressive was that? And then you know, I went back and looked through charted plays, other than the touchdown that Nick Rigby had where two of your guys kind of knocked into each other and sprung him free, they didn't have a completion over nine yards until that last drive at the end where you guys were already up by you know over 20 points and they were airing it out. So how impressive was that just to execute that plan of keeping everything in front of you and not letting them you know get behind the defense? Yeah, I mean, it was super impressive. And our boys played at a high level. You know, we had to get pressure on O'Toole, and I think we did an okay job. He just gets it out so fast but you know i thought we made the windows small we got our hands on the football a couple of times put them in third and six third and seven situations to get our defense off the field and yet you know 28 points is a lot but that's a real good offensive football team so just all the credit in the world to our defense coordinator shane o'connor our scout team on offense all week and then our boys just executing at our high level and just from reading Bob's story, you know, hearing about it, the one thing I really was impressed by, too, was your demeanor about it. A lot of teams get a win like that. It's like they won the Super Bowl. You know, like, this is the greatest thing. Where, you know, we're celebrating this for three weeks or something like that. But it <laughs> seemed like you guys were very businesslike of, A, we might see this team again yeah. in the state playoffs, yeah, but definitely. also, B, that, you know, our goals are much bigger. This is a great regular season win, but – we need to just kind of keep moving forward rather than sort of just dwelling on, you know, how great we played one day. Yeah, no doubt. And that's what we said. We said, guys, this is a great week five regular season win. And that's what it, that's what it is. And we, we enjoyed it for, you know, that Saturday. And then it was on to the next one come Sunday on the Manalpin. And, you know, we're not here to win regular season uh, victories. We're not here for division titles or any type of winning streak. We're here for sectional state championships and, and hopefully an opportunity for a group two overall state title. So, 
Uh, you know, it, it was a great program win, but at the same time, it's on him and helping. You know, for people around the shore that that follow Shore Conference football closely, you know, Matt Olfon and Jay Croce are, are very well-known names. So is, is Charles Boom Davidson, I, I'd say probably. But you, you're a very deep team. It's certainly not just a handful of guys. And, you know, you're deep offensively, your slot backs, you know, you have your senior Brian Samoz, your junior Colin Obser, the freshman Jay Clayton. I thought all of those guys have contributed a lot in games. Then defensively, some of those same guys. Obser had, I know, had a big game. Uh, Devin Dewey, Saki. So you guys have a lot of you know, Dylan Reitmeyer as well. There's a bunch of guys kind of playing those. You can call them complementary roles, but I know they're more important than that. So how about some of those guys that maybe aren't the headlines every week, but have been really important to the 6-0 start? Yeah, I mean, we we have three juniors on defense, and you name three of them. Uh, Slade Samaritano, Dylan Reitmeyer, and Colin Obser, who even last year, you know, Slade, Slade and Dylan were two of our best defensive players, and unfortunately they, they both got hurt. Um, so, you know, gaining them back, we felt good. And, and Colin Obser is is one of, if not our best all-around football player. I mean, he does it all. He can play. If we put him at guard, offensive guard, he, he would be good. I, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So, you know, those three are, are definitely talented football players, and they're, they're a huge part of our success. And you have one of the more impressive freshmen in the Shore Conference. I mean, Jay Clayton. We know what he did right out of the gate in that, yeah. that first game. You know, special teams, scoring on running plays. Uh, he's got to give you some optimism for the future. Obviously, you're focused on this year. But you know, hey, at least when some of these stars graduate, we have a guy who might really be able to step in and uh, and fill some of that void. Yeah, I mean, he, he's big time. He's as good as advertised. We knew about him. He, he's, he's been a stud his whole, you know, AYF career. And just his tackling ability. And he's a great wrestler, so – you know, you see that a lot of times with the wrestlers, um, but but he fills the alley at free safety, and you know he, he just he covers so much ground, and he's certainly going to play more offense, you know, each week because he needs the football, and he's just a very talented young football player. You know, two huge parts of the win over Rumson. Um, you know, you come out in the second half with a surprise onside kick, and man, that was perfectly executed, Braden Forfar. It was. I mean, I remember looking up and like, whoa, they're going for the onside kick. And it was, you know, he, he couldn't have done that more perfectly. And then after that, the muddle huddle, you know, going to that and running some plays off it. You know, I talked to you about that and wrote about it in the story. But what gave you the inspiration to use that, you know, on something other than a two-point play actually, you know, in the field of play? Yeah, I mean, the first 4-4, four, four, I, I think he's one of the best kickers in the shore and he's been unbelievable at extra points he has a ton of specialty kicks he finds ways to get the ball on the ground with kickoffs and when that happens you know you have a chance to recover it so it was something we worked on we thought you know there was a high chance we were going to use it we were just waiting for the right time and then with the muddle uh my coach johnson or special teams coordinator dave johnson and myself i think in july we started drawing it up on a whiteboard and it, we spent probably two hours on it but we view it as an offensive play and we thought we had the personnel with Jason Bennett, who's one of our safeties. He's our long snapper, so he's an athlete. And Olafont held last year, so we we inserted him. Then the next thing you know, we started putting Croce Obser and Forfar, who's the kicker, is a wide out. So we said, I think we have something here. And uh, we just started wrapping it up, and we viewed it as an offensive play and something that could present challenges to the defense. Yeah, it's not too often you see the center with a reception. <laughs> Two receptions, yeah, had actually. That's like one of those double takes at the box score. Like, wait a minute. Isn't he an <laughs> offensive lineman? Yeah, tremendous. Uh, I think another thing is we tend sometimes 
because it's a great division, it's filled with a lot of great teams. It's we you start to think of it's the American division and it's everybody else. Yeah. But I thought you kind of like gained some respect for you know the next down division of hey we went up there and beat one of your better teams. You know it's not just you know those guys and then it's big gulf to the next group of teams. I mean was that a thing too of just in. I felt like it was just a great win, like as far as gaining more and more respect for your program beyond just group two. Yeah, I, we, I mean, we just we wanted that matchup so bad, whether it was Rumson or, or someone just to kind of prove it, because we, we hear we hear the things about the schedule and there's our, our, our division is loaded with great teams. But I think everyone wanted to kind of see the Rumson Point Borough game last year. Um, unfortunately, we you know we didn't finish. We we didn't beat Willingboro to possibly make that happen. So it was kind of like a two year thing, and and we were just we were locked in. We had an unbelievable week of practice, and now we're trying to apply that every single week. Um, but but it it was a great challenge. And you send a message, I think, to the all of Group mm-hmm. Two when you go out and win a game like that against a team that was a finalist last year. But it seems like you guys, because you have a veteran team, you're pretty comfortable with handling the pressure. You have this long winning streak against the Shore Conference. You're undefeated. But it seems like, you know, yes, you're the hunted, but you've kind of become accustomed to that and been okay dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think we have a great culture in place, and it certainly took time. Uh, it took at least, you know, three to four years to kind of build that. But everyone just embraced their role and to do their job relentlessly, and it, it's been a relentless pursuit day in and day out to make this program, you know, something special and something people can be, can be proud of. So we're just focused on getting better and better. Um, and we're enjoying the ride this year, no doubt. You know, that phrase you just said, relentless pursuit. I know that's something you guys use a lot. You know, I go back to, you know, I guess three years ago when you guys, you won the sectional title. I know going into that season, like you guys were just tired of, you know, either having, you know, losing seasons or just being mediocre. And you guys were really chopping at the bit at the bit to get back to your winning ways and you did that you won a sectional title obviously last season didn't end the way you wanted to but a nine and one year what was the driving force this offseason because you're coming off two great seasons but still that feeling of unfinished business i imagine yeah i mean it was really the, it was really the loss and i i think somebody said you got one of you guys might say, it, it just happened so fast that it was just over mm-hmm. you know and, and it was such a great team but you know, Willingboro just just played great, and we played okay, and, and they deserved it. So, it kind of just showed us that anyone can lose at any point, um, and just how important every single day is, and the details, um, and, and just to lose on your home field that, that that was a really tough day. So, that's been the driving force all off season. That's going to continue to be the driving force um, to kind of just you know honor those seniors that you know we didn't get it done for them. So, uh, we're just trying to finish strong here. In speaking of home field, I mean. It- I know you still have three games left in the regular season. You have to take care of business there. But, you know, the goal is to get that number one overall seed. And especially now this season, those uh, the group semifinal games, if you get to that point, are they're not at neutral sites anymore. They're at home. So do you feel like that is a significant advantage for you if you can get to that point where you can have all your games at home until it's, you know, a neutral site game just because of the, the atmosphere that you guys have on Friday night is one of the best in the shore? No, oh, absolutely, and we want that. We want that badly. You know, it's Point Pro It's a football town, and the, the whole town shuts down. And whether they walk to the game or whatnot, you, you can't. You can barely go anywhere in town without somebody <laughs> wishing you good luck. But you know, we love it. Um, our student section, of the pit, is going to be. It's going to be rocking, going to be mobbed. So I do believe in home field advantage, and uh, you know, our players love it, our coaches love it, our fans love it. Um, so, so that would be nice to have, and that, that's one of the main messages with these three games left that it's right there you know you you win out 
you know, we think we're going to be the one seed. My only problem with that is that as a reporter, I have to get to the game like an hour and a half <laughs> early just to park <laughs> up the, the, the aisle of the field. See, stop. I know the secret. Uh, yeah, that's, there's some good neighborhoods back there. Back there, yeah, yeah. I got to give you the direction. Just start pulling up to the like the neighboring houses and be like, "Here's like 20 yeah. boxes. We just throw it in here." Scott's yeah, gonna be walking. Maybe there park there, and then and the, the yeah. day you have to Uber to the game. That'll know what we made. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. Hey man, there are some park. There's some you know games in the shore where. Like we were joking, the Rumson RBC game a couple weeks. I was like, he could just, you know, he's gonna have to start walking from his house at Neptune. Yeah, you just can't park sometimes. So that's 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 what we want. You have a good atmosphere, though, right? That's what we want. We'll keep building it. I want to go back to something that, uh, you know, Jake and Matt were were telling me after the game, and you know, I imagine it's really important that the offense you guys run, you run the triple. It's what you ran in high school. It's what you ran in college at Springfield, correct? Correct. And you know, you, you have it. You know, I think it was Jake said. We run this in the middle school. I'm sure you run it at the lower levels too. How huge is that? Because you get kids coming in where it's such a specialized offense that when they, I feel like when they know the nuances of that coming in as a freshman, you could just hit the ground running a lot quicker. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. And I think there's, you know, four to five main components uh, of continued success in the, at the high school level and having a great feeder system. AYF is number one. And, and we're so blessed to have unbelievable coaches and people there and, and they'll text me and, you know, now I teach at the middle school and our 12 year, our 12 year quarterbacks tell me about, you know, the defense he's going up against. And, you know, it, I mean, it's awesome. It, it really is. And, and they, they come to all of the games and, you know, they're watching old fun, they're watching coaching and they, and they want to be those guys. So it, that, that's what makes us so excited and hopeful for the future that, that we can keep this going it, is an unbelievable AYF program. Our numbers are through the roof for a group two. You know, we're going to dress 65 to 70 guys. We think year in and year out. So we're just trying to keep that going. Uh, thoughts on Manalpin. Obviously it's a, it's a team and a program that has a tradition of, of a lot of winning. You know, they've fallen on some hard times. They've lost three in a row, but I'm, I'm, you guys are not taking them lightly. So what stands out uh, from Manalp and things that you guys have to be aware of and, and maybe concerned with going into the game? Yeah, I mean, if, if you talk about the last 10 years, you want to talk about the most consistent program, you know, schools, you're going to – your Manalpin's in that conversation. So we told them that. I think they have great size up front on the offensive line and defensive lines. I think they have two talented running backs. Um, they'll do a little wildcat here and there. I think the quarterback throws a good ball. They have a dangerous wide receiver and return man. He, he's number two, Anthony Macchio. Um, you know, we're going there. We know that they need this to make a playoff run themselves. So it, this is this is a huge game on Friday night, and they present some challenges, and, and we're looking forward to every single one of them. How, how has the team turned the page now from that big Rumson win and, and started focusing on an album? It was a great week. It was a great week. It was, again, just that maturity. And, you know, we told them they're playing such consistent football. You go back to our scrimmages, you know, we scrimmaged North Brunswick, who I believe is 5-0, and and Carteret, who, who's, I think, 4-1. and So we, we have played an unbelievable seven games of just total team effort, total football. So we need that to continue. And what is it like for you guys? We've asked a couple coaches this competing as a group two school in a division mm-hmm. with a lot of bigger schools. Uh, you know, that's kind of been a little bit of a new wrinkle this year with the way things got realigned. Yep. Uh, you guys, Raritan, you know, some smaller schools in there with the group fours, in there with the bigger schools. Uh, you certainly proved yourself, but but how do you look to that, like, challenge that, you know, it's not just schools of your size that you're playing now? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean we, we love that challenge. We thought this when the divisions and schedule came out, it was going to be a great measuring stick to see we, where we were at as a program. And, and I think nowadays, it, you know, the groups don't hold as much value as they once did. You know, everyone's kind of dressing somewhere between 50 to 70 guys. Uh, you know, some some people are dressing more than that. But, um, yeah, you know, we're excited. If, if you have that football culture and you have a football town, you know, we think we you can compete with anyone. Yeah, so that'll be good when you get stuck in the American division. Yeah, exactly. Next it's probably it's probably coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that's like the like the elephant. The, the, the pun, the pun yeah, yeah. all the success, but like, where are you going to put us next year? Like, yeah. hey, people maybe, they, maybe they can split. Maybe they can. Yeah, why don't we just split the two divisions out? Maybe you know, something. <laughs> oh, too funny. Um, again, it's it's been an awesome season for you guys. Um. Three three games left in the regular season. Does it feel like it's gone quick that we're already in October and in week six? Uh, yes and no. Colts, Colts neck is, honestly feels like months ago. You know, <laughs> and, and I know it was August 25th, but we were joking, me and uh, Coach Kyle Ryan, that Willingboro felt like, you know, er- earlier than Colts neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're just enjoying it. I, I think that's one thing we learned last year. We were kind of just so tense. We wanted to repeat so bad that – I don't even think I smiled the whole year. It was just like next week, next week, next week. So, you know, we're having fun and I am enjoying it, you know, every single day with this group. It's, it's, it's an awesome group. Before we let you go, I want you to give the spotlight to some more of the guys in the program. So about your coaching staff, I mean, it's a really, really good coaching staff at a lot of different positions. Um, You mentioned your defensive coordinator, Shane O'Connor, your special teams coach, Dave Johnson, it's funny, Matt Oliphant referred to him as Dr. J. I'm like, Dr. J, you got to I'm like, who is that? I'm going through the coaches. I'm like, oh, <laughs> who I believe, if if I heard this correctly, he owns the NCAA record for longest touchdown pass. He's tied with probably like a million people at 99 yards. I think that's true. Yeah, is it? Kane University. He's the doctor. He's the doctor. But our, our staff's unbelievable. And a lot of them did graduate from Point Borough, which which I think is so important. So they have that passion. They have that love for this program and this town and these kids. Um, and everyone just has a job. Everyone has a job. There's no egos. Everyone everyone sticks to their job. And then that trickles down to the players. And we tell them, do your do your job relentlessly. And we're going to be in a position to win the game in the fourth quarter. So I mean, we practice hard. I don't. I can't speak of other programs, but our Tuesday and Wednesday, we practice hard, and we fully believe that translates to Friday to playing hard. And then tell us about your hype man. No one hypes Derek, up the Derek Rio. Derek Rio. This is this is final year. I, I don't know, you know, where he's going to college, but I hope he makes a game or two next year when he graduates because there's no one better than senior Derek Rios. It started in 2021. I don't even know what game it happened, but it <laughs> happened. And then we just kept we kept the tradition alive. So uh, after every game, he gives a quick pep talk and, and the boys go nuts. They love it. So uh, yeah, I, I hope we have several of those left. Good stuff. Brian, thanks a lot, man, for taking some time tonight. Again, congratulations to your team on the big win. And I know you guys are turning your focus to Manalp. And so I'm sure we'll be talking to you a bunch more down the line. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. You're the best. Uh, We appreciate it, and I hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Brian. That's Point Borough head coach Brian Staub on the Varsity Link Coaches Corner. Brian's always great. One of the most – I I didn't get a chance to ask him then. 
Uh, how many get back guys does he think they need? I will tell you what, Brian, like he is such a mild manner. He's, so, he's very passionate. You can tell like he loves being the coach of Point Pro. But man, he he is into it on oh, the sidelines. Once the jumping jacks start going and <laughs> yeah. guys' towels are waving, and you're like, is half their staff about to run out to like the 50 yard line in the middle of this game? I'm not getting in Ryan Canary's way. That that's the other thing. That staff particularly makes me feel about a hundred years old because you and I have covered, I yes. think, every player on that staff from when we they have. were playing at Point Pro. Yeah, Dave Johnson's about the only one. Yeah. So, but no, a lot of former Point Borough greats in there, some of their all time greats on that staff. And it just shows the type of tight knit community staff that guys want to come back, coach at their alma mater, be there. You know, now we need to achieve the singularity by having Point Borough play Brick Memorial in the <laughs> next crossover game. Stahl <laughs> versus Walt Curry. The simulation of uh, breaks. Yeah, then. exactly. Just. Option pitches yeah. everywhere. The master although, versus the apprentice. Although I will stuff. say, Brick Memorial is not running the no. pure triple like the old days. They haven't in in a bit, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, he's still, you know, nobody coaches the the triple, you know, better than Walt Curry. I mean, he's, you know, he he was doing it. At, at I don't Wayne know. Going Staub's back trying to reason. surpass the master now. He's trying well, you know what? He's me. he's true to the the yeah, original triple. Like, I, didn't, though, I, didn't, so I didn't I didn't diverge that's from pure, purebred triple. Option. But on the other hand, if you have Connor Dietz. You can set up the offense yeah. where he can run it like I, I would say so. Ability. Yes. Uh, we'll be joined by Tom Zerber South uh, head coach Matt Martin in just a little bit. The Indians with a night practice. So we're going to wait for him to get off the field. But before that, something we've wanted to touch on these last couple weeks, sticking in Tom's River. One of the bigger stories of the season has been Tom's River East assistant coach April Flory, uh, believed to be the first female coach of any kind, assistant. Uh, certainly, there's never been a head coach, uh, football coach female in the short conference. But you did a great feature story on her earlier. Just tell us more about that. April Flory, just out of nowhere, talked to Kyle Sandberg, and now she's a head co- yeah, uh, assistant. I think that's the craziest thing. I mean, there's a technicality where Homedale principal Cheryl Swire was technically the yes. head coach during this controversy where the coaches left. So that, But to me, that's not – like she wasn't really hired as a member of the staff and all that. So this is you know really, truly like, – from talking to everyone. I mean, I talked to Lou Versillo – Who's coaching the shore since 1972? You figured he would know, and you know he and a lot of the other longtime guys. So yeah, this is a real breakthrough. And April is a is a great story because you see a lot of women that are getting into football coaching now around the state. Yes, yeah. it's, it's there's more and more teams, but a lot of them are young. They're mm-hmm. like 25, 26. Like maybe they want to get into coaching as like a full long football coaching career. April's 57 year old mom of two. Her daughter is a star on the field hockey team mm-hmm. at Tom's of Reese. Her son is a former pitcher for the Raiders. She just approached college Sandberg. She became a teacher there in uh, November of last year. I believe she's an English and, and special ed teacher. She just went up and said, you know, I just, I want to be part of the community here. Like I want to help this program any way that I can just kind of took a chance. It was at yeah. their May meeting where they're getting things organized for the coming season. And, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't have even had the courage to ask that question. Like, especially a lot of women, like she doesn't have some crazy football background. Mm-hmm. She, said her knowledge is she grew up as a Washington commanders fan <laughs> in Bloomfield and, you know, watch, watch football on TV like the rest of us. Um, but Sandberg said, you know what, uh, you know, if you want to be a part of it and you're, you're energetic and you're into it and you, you're eager to work with the players and everything like, sure. So he put her up to be approved by the board of education. 
Um, it went through and history was made. And yes, she coaches uh, the wide receivers. I think she works with the linebackers too, mm -hmm. like the JV team. And she admitted it was a pretty steep learning curve at first. You know, like yeah. you're learning how to do the You're drills. diving right in the deep end immediately. Well, that's the thing. Sandberg did not just kind of be like, <laughs> well, you're kind of working on it. He's like, you're it's right like, in the middle of the stack stroke. stack of papers. Like, yes. get to work. No, she joked Which that. sounds like that's what she wanted. Though. Yes. She, you know, like anybody else, you want to be treated as like a regular member mm -hmm. of the staff. Uh, and she joked that she never thought at this point in her life that she would enjoy Sunday mornings being on huddle, like breaking <laughs> down film, film clips. Uh, but yeah, she she just took it on eagerly. And and Kyle Sandberg was, has said, you know, the kids respect her because they, a lot of them knew her as a teacher okay. already. Um, or they were friends with her daughter. So they knew her that okay. like they were familiar with her. And certainly a concern when you take that job is, are they going to respect you? Mm -hmm. or are they going to listen to you? Uh, they respect Sandberg. And when he says, this is my coach, you know, it translates also to that. But, you know, they said in class, she's barked at him a couple of times and they <laughs> knew like she can be tough, you know, so that, but on the other hand, you know, some of them told me that it's, it's good that she's a mom, that she's a woman sometimes because she in certain situations can have a little bit of a softer touch or more of a positive thing where it's like, all right, you messed up, but like keep a positive mm -hmm. mindset. It's going to work again. Whereas like, you know, sometimes Sandberg will just yeah. like any coach, just scream in your face. Like, what are you doing? Not necessarily good cop, bad cop, but a different, a, a more balanced uh, or help with a balance. In certain approach. situations. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to insinuate that, you know, oh, she's soft. We can get, that's yeah. not true. Like she'll get on you if you mess up, but in, in certain, like she kind of knows how to read certain situations mm -hmm. when a kid might need encouragement more than to be like broken down and like screamed at, which well, is a hey, huge part of no coaching. mom's on the sideline. So yeah, it's a, it's a, different and it certainly seems like a very welcome perspective that is you know help the culture of their team yeah and she's you know become a regular part of it and they've had you know a little bit of an up and down season but they've they've been solid they were kind of in the mix in that liberty division they had a couple losses but uh yeah she's worked really well with that team and it's funny she's kind of like i know i guess i'm technically like a pioneer in this yeah. but she, it's almost like when we talked to Holly Lucas earlier in the mm -hmm. season, the Pineland sophomore lineman, who's the first girl to play offensive and defensive line in short conference history, where it's like, we want it to be where this isn't a weird, this isn't a story. This is normal. Yeah. You know, that like there'll be other women on people's staffs that there'll be girls playing positions besides kicker, especially because more of them play AYF too. Mm -hmm. So their, their teammates, like the boys are used to, oh, I've been playing yeah. football with that girl since seventh grade, you know? It strikes me as the, it, it's always going to be unique because they're always going to be the minority on the team, but it, unique is fine, but it's like, this isn't a novelty. Like we're, we're football players and we should be treated as such. I, I think the normalcy from that standpoint is great because as we've seen at the, you know, the flag level in high school, there are some girls balling out out there and it's, you know, I've covered, you know, a few of those championship games, and like they're, they're good, they're very well played and fun to watch. Yeah, and I, I always wonder when that crossover time is coming. When like a girl who runs like a four five four yeah. or something goes and plays wide receiver mm -hmm. on the boys team, if she's just faster than everyone else and she just getting behind the defense, yeah, not really going to get hit. Eighty yard touchdowns or eighty yard touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Sandberg actually did have a female wide receiver mm -hmm. in 2018 who did he put in in the game on senior night and whatever. So that's a, that was another short conference yeah. moment in history that kind of went under the radar a little bit, but his whole philosophy is if you're willing to work hard and you're passionate about working with the team and the players, I, I can find a spot for you. You know, 
if your football knowledge isn't, you know, Newt Rockney level, that's okay. <laughs> we can work on that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, she's really immersed herself in it and worked super hard. And I think a big thing for her was at this stage of my life, it can be, it's rare sometimes that you learn new things, that you challenge yourself mm-hmm. with new things. You kind of go back to what's comfortable, what you've always known, where your expertise completely is, and you don't put yourself out there where you might not know what you're doing. You might not, you might have to learn. Yeah, to, to take that leap of faith is, it, I'm sure wasn't easy. It says a lot about her though. Yeah. And I think she's just going to be the first of many. And I think like you said too, as you see more of these girls go through flag, mm-hmm. maybe play on college. There's even college teams now that are flag teams and like other, and or maybe you see them being a grad assistant. Yeah. Women like working involved. with yeah. college programs, uh, which has happened at Michigan in the last year and Dartmouth and a couple schools in mm-hmm. recent years, there's multiple women in the NFL who are oh, assistant yeah. coaches a lot now. now. So you may see a lot more younger women decide when they get out of college, you know, I'm going to go back to high school and coach, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm going to try to stay on, like you said, as a grad assistant and start an actual coaching career. This is a viable path for me now. Whereas five, 10 years ago, it was like, yeah. You'd get the polite nod. Oh, we'll take a look at your resume or whatever, you know, but it was never going to happen. So, you know, the fact that, and I mean, this doesn't really apply to April because obviously she's done a good job and the kids love her, but talking to so many coaches in recent years, finding coaches and assistants is getting harder it and is. harder. You know, coaches that have young children, a lot of them are like leaving because mm-hmm. they're just going to be with, they got to be with their families and, there's just a long grind. It's not a lot of money. The parents these days can be really rough in some situations. Yes. Uh, so it's not, sometimes it can be a pretty thankless job. So I think that's another part of it. When you have somebody who's that passionate and really does want to be a part of it more than you're cajoling someone who's on the fence going, ah, eh, come on, coach one more year with us. Yeah. coach." And the person's like, I don't know if I really want to sign up for this. Mm-hmm. So I think that is another factor in, broadening the horizons of who can be a coach these days for sure great stuff we're gonna take a quick break uh we come back we'll talk to tom zerver south head coach matt Marin. the indians are four and one we'll hear how they've been doing it back after this on the varsity link coaches corner welcome back to the varsity link coaches corner on the shore sports network in between weeks five and six for the shore conference football season it was great to talk with point borough head coach Brian Staub earlier, and we'll keep it in Ocean County as we welcome in Tom's River South head coach, Matt Martin, the Indians off to a four and one start, lost their first game of the season and turned it around quickly. First four game winning streak since 2013, a massive game Friday night at Detweiler stadium. I'm sure it's going to be rocking when they welcome Pinelands to town, uh, pivotal game for the Liberty division title. And I'm sure you guys are pretty jacked up for that. So Matt, fresh off the practice field. Thanks for taking some time to join us tonight. I appreciate you guys having me, and it's a uh, yeah, it's a huge game for us. It's a huge game for Pinelands. Um, we're excited, you know, we're excited for the opportunity, you know, and it's just a uh, it's been a, a little bit of a long haul here, and I'm sure we'll talk about you know where we were and where we're at now, but uh, it's it's rewarding, and it's rewarding for the kids to have a to have an opportunity to play in a game like this on Friday night. Yeah, and, and the journey. That's we'll get right to that. I mean. You, you took over as the head coach last year, first season. You win your first game, I believe, over Tom's River East. And then it just didn't go your way from there on. You know, finished one and nine. You know, had the lost first game of this season, the Homedale, a lopsided loss. You know, now we look and we see how well Homedale's playing. But at the time, it's like, okay, what's you know, what's going on with Tom's River South? And then you guys turned it right around, picked up a win, 
a second win, and now you're four and one. So what changed there where you guys were able to, hey, just you know, move on from that initial loss and go on this run here where you've put yourself in position to win a division championship? Yeah, I think, uh, you, know, the, you know, we talked about, you know, we, we made it clear to our kids that, you know, we're aware of the weight that was on their shoulders with a 10-game loss or 10-game losing streak. Uh, you know, we didn't try and brush it to the side. We tried to face it. Uh, we tell our kids, you know, it's, you know there's time, times in life where we have to do hard things. And at that point where you hit 10 games in a row, uh, and a lot of those kids or a lot of our kids now experienced those nine games last year that we lost in a row because we were playing a lot of young kids that returned this year. Um, and Homedale, you know, it's just, a, you know, they're, they're a tremendous team. They're so well coached. They're disciplined. They don't beat themselves. Uh, and they put us in a bind in that first game. But then we come back and we stayed in the game in the first half versus Monmouth. And, you know, going up to Monmouth, it was questionable whether or not we're going to win or play the game uh, because of the thunderstorms and everything like that. But we were able to get out there. We hung in there and kept it 0 0 in the first half. And then, uh, Jimmy Alexander kind of took it over in the second half for us uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defense just played phenomenal that night. You know, we got that win and, uh, you know, that goes a long way uh, in, you know, the stuff that we preach. Uh, now the kids are able to actually grab onto something and believe it opposed to just listening to us. And I think, you know, that was the bit, the first baby step, so to speak. And then to, you know, have the ball uh, with, you know, just about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter versus high school East in a tie game and go down the field and score on them. All of a sudden, you know, that at following that East game, now the kids, you know, really bought into everything that we've been preaching for, you know, a year and a half, two years now. Uh, so it was a, it's been a long journey, um, and at times it was tough. Uh, but right now, uh, there's no doubt about it. Our kids and the staff are, you know, we're riding, we're riding the wave of momentum, and we hope to carry it through on Friday night. I spoke to uh, Jimmy Alexander for my column this week on ShortSportsNetwork.com, and he said an interesting thing. He said, it's strange to say, but the Homedale game in a weird way helped us. He said, last year we beat Toms River East in the first game, and we kind of got a little too full of ourselves, and things didn't go well from there, whereas this Homedale, you know, humbled us a little bit in a way. But then when we came back and beat Monmouth, it gave us, like, the biggest boost of adrenaline and energy ever. I mean – that's strange because obviously you think, you know, you don't want to lose after all that losing, but it seems like they took that loss to heart and they really rebounded strong from it. Yeah. And again, like a lot of these kids, you know, went through everything last year. Uh, and then to have that happen, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was crushing uh, to us as a staff or us as, you know, a program. But I did, I do think uh, from the waking up standpoint, I think, uh, you know, it kind of, we hit rock bottom. And we ended up having, you know, kids had to make decisions and choices as to, you know, how they were going to play the game. Uh, and we as coaches had to make decisions on how we were going to coach the kids and call the games and everything else. So, um, you know, I think I think Homedale was a little bit of a catalyst to, you know, what happened the following week with mom. It, at least it made it made everyone reevaluate exactly where we were at, because I think, you know, a lot of times last year, uh, you know, it was you know, we're young, we're young, you're what we're young. And we always fell back on that crutch and we never really hit rock bottom, unfortunately. And we got stuck with the one and nine season. Uh, and it was our fault. We were a part of it as a staff and as players. Um, but then after Homedale, I think that's when it all kind of hit. And that's when you know, we started the mantra of do hard things and big team, little me became uh, a bigger part of their lives. And uh, we've, you know, it's definitely you know, we've definitely rebounded from it. And like I said, at, at this point, you know, we've been playing well in, in all three phases of the game, truthfully. And uh, we're excited for our opportunity Friday night. 
you know, you've had a, it's been a balanced effort, you know, on both sides of the ball. But certainly, there's been some guys that have that have stood out early. You mentioned Jimmy Alexander. I mean, he's a veteran, senior quarterback. Um, he's just been getting done for you. So, how about his production and his leadership, and what that means to have a senior at the quarterback position, you know, pushing you guys forward here? Yeah, Jimmy's, you know, Jimmy's fought and fought and fought each year. Uh, whether it was his sophomore year, you know, he kind of won the position halfway through the season. Uh, last year, we had an open quarterback competition, um, and then this year again, we had an open quarterback competition coming off in one and nine season. Uh, and he fought off Gio Torres, uh, who you know did some real good things for us in the summer. But Jimmy, uh, really, since the since the Mammoth game, has you know taken taken the the lead as far as uh, corral in the offense, and then you know he's taken we've we've put him in a lot of the run game stuff and the run scheme stuff. So we're allowed to, we're we're able to play some eleven on eleven football. In the last couple of weeks, he's uh, he's shown what he can do as a passer. Uh, he's still working hard at that, and you know, the better he becomes as a passer, the even more dynamic will be on offense. He's also a starting Mike linebacker, so I mean, for uh, you know, for any any grade kid, but to be the starting quarterback and the starting Mike linebacker, and basically quarterback both sides of the ball, it's a lot on his plate. Um, but from the mental side of things, he's he's as sharp as they come, uh, and he's thankfully been able to stay healthy uh, and just get better each week. I feel like if you have a quarterback linebacker combo, like you're just a straight up football player. Yeah. You play anywhere. Like that's that's a very like Jackson Memorial, like ace, ace yeah. Yeah. kind of like division oh. of the uh, quarterback linebacker combo. No doubt about it. And uh yeah, well, like I said, we ask a lot of them and he's you know, he welcomes the challenge, and that's what's best about Jimmy. Jimmy, uh he doesn't shy away, he doesn't back down. Uh and he's had, you know, some He's had some tough games and some tough moments, but it, it hasn't deterred him from, you know, becoming who he is today. And you started off the season, you'd only scored 12 points in your first two games total, but you've averaged 27 points during these last three games. What do you feel like has improved or changed offensively? We've, we have coaches as coaches have done a little bit, uh, you know, we've done a better job of, uh, scheming some stuff up where, you know, Jimmy's, uh, been, become a bigger part of the run game. Uh, Jimmy's gotten, you know, has has developed himself better as a passer and understands where to go with the ball. Uh, but I would say most importantly, like any team, uh, you know, the offensive line play uh, and the offensive line play has uh, greatly improved since the first week first Homedale. Uh, and we've been able to move some people uh, at the line of scrimmage. And that's opened up holes and allowed Jimmy and Jay Kenahan, uh, our tailback, to, to really have uh, some impressive games uh, over the last couple of weeks. And then defensively, it's uh, again you you move past that Holmdale game, and since then you guys have locked down. You, you mentioned you had the, the great performance against Monmouth to get that first win, and since then it's it's been more of the same. So what what has stood out on that side? Were you guys able to just be consistent? You know, shake off the first game and then just get back to playing the way you guys want to play. Yeah, we're a defense that's you know we're, you know between players and scheme. We you know we were were built on athleticism. Uh, and we weren't disciplined, uh, not nearly enough against Homedale. And I'll be honest, we were we were undisciplined uh, for most of that game, particularly the second half. We we had kids that uh, we had players that you know wanted to to make plays, but they weren't trying to make the plays within their roles of the defense. And over the last four four weeks or so, uh, the coaches have done a tremendous job of drilling into them, you know, their roles and how they fit. Uh, in the run game and as well as, you know, how they fit in the pass game. 
And, you know, our athleticism does help us at times. We're a fast defense. Uh, we've been able to create some turnovers and takeaways uh, and put teams back, you know, behind the sticks and uh, with negative plays and tackles for a loss and sacks and things like that. So it's just been a, you know, it's kind of been building. It hasn't been one specific thing, uh, but I do think from a defensive standpoint, our kids are playing confidently. Uh, and because they're playing confidently, uh, they're allowing their, their athleticism uh, to, show, to show out. Now we get to the game. Bob and I love these kind of games. Yeah. Somebody's going to get a, at least a share of a division title on Friday. You guys haven't won one since 2002. They haven't won one since 1987. Uh, what do you see out of Pinelands in this challenge um, coming up? It's weird. I feel like the programs are in so similar spots right now. You know, you have a much different history. Tom's River South, long, historic, one of the, you know, cornerstone shore conference programs pineland struggled for most of their history but you guys feel like even talking to jimmy alexander same thing we feel like we're on a similar trajectory as they are uh what do you see uh with the challenge coming up against pinelands friday night yeah there's no doubt coach tierney has done a tremendous job down there uh you know to end the season the way they did last year you know rattling off you know multiple wins uh towards the end of the year and then to come into this season uh and i'll be honest um you know Tom's River South and Pinelands don't really cross paths all too much. As long, you know, as long as I've been at high school South, uh, we, you know, we played them once in think in 2011, uh, but we don't really get to see them too much on tape and things like that. And, you know, this year, as I've, I've watched them each week, uh, when we get their films, I'm just, you know, I'm impressed with the physicality. Uh, I think they're, uh, much more athletic than I expected them to be. Um, and again, you know, they're well coached, uh, on both offense and defense by uh, Coach Tierney, Coach Adelizi do a great job of having their kids ready to play. Um, and they, you know, they're just, they're tough. They, again, similar to Homedale, that they don't beat themselves uh, too often. Uh, they they don't make mistakes. They don't get uh, pushed behind the sticks and off schedule on offense. Defensively, they tackle well. Uh, they play, you know, with they rotate a bunch of de defense alignment that are physical at the point of attack and don't get pushed around. Uh, they're going to be a challenge, um, and I'm happy we're having it at home. I'll be honest with you. Having a home game at Detweiler on a Friday night is is different than most places, uh, and hopefully that will come to benefit us because I know they're going to be ready to play. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, what the Toms River South students and the fans, they are so supportive, some of the best in the Shore Conference. Um, and even if you guys aren't having, like, an amazing year, they still show up for that. And when you guys are good and compete for championships, like it even goes to another level. So what kind of atmosphere do you expect from the home crowd on Friday night? I it's, you know, it's, it's truly a blessing. Like I said, I've, you know, obviously before I was the head coach here, I was an assistant. Uh, I was a player here. I grew up around it. Um, it's just a tremendous place, uh, not only to be the football coach or be a part of the football team. It's a tremendous building uh, to go to school in. Uh, everything, uh, everything that we do at High School South is centered around High School South, and there's a community uh, that is going to support. You know, uh, whether it's football or if you show up to a boys' soccer game at seven o'clock at night, you know, there's going to be multiple multiple athletes from other teams there willing to cheer them on. And you know, there, like I said, there's. You talk to any number of coaches from around the Shore Conference, anytime they visit Detweiler, whether it's their first time or their 20th time, uh, they're always impressed uh, by the student section, the band, uh, and then, of course, just, you know, our parents and longtime supporters. There's still guys that, you know, come here on Friday night to watch games that they've been coming here for 25 or 30 years or 40 years um, just to catch a Friday night football game. And the community atmosphere at High School South uh, is second to none. 
And we love the support from everyone in the building and even, you know, the surrounding community outside of the school. Oh, we came up with Joe Adelizzi at the Asbury Park Press. I mean, we, we heard about yeah. it. Times yeah. South that you possibly <laughs> imagine. Um, yeah. I, my big thing, too, is obviously hanging a banner or, you know, winning a division title is great. But I feel like symbolically that's big for you because you had a one-wing season. You're trying to sell this program. You know, I want more kids out for the team. Mm -hmm. You're in a town where the com the competition for talent is ruthless. Yeah. You know, with everybody no to get the best. When you were a player, Tom's River South was a top 10 team. They were in the, you know, conversation in the overall shore and all of that. I mean, is that the hope that, you know, yes, you want to win this division and kind of keep moving up in that trajectory to kind of get back to the way it, it was at one point? Absolutely. I mean, I think anybody, you know, any coach that would say otherwise would be lying to you. Uh, you know, winning's fun uh, and having, you know, playing in big games is so much fun. And to have the opportunity this week uh, is going to be tremendous for our players. Uh, we have 87 kids on our roster, grades 10 through 12. Uh, we only have 12 seniors. Uh, and, you know, we, we have a lot of kids coming back next year. So anything that we do this year is certainly um, going to be part of the seniors legacy as we move forward, because we hope, you know, to carry this momentum, uh, in many years to come, not just next year, or just the year after that, we want Tom's River South, uh, to be back on the map. And we want this to be an every week occurrence where every week is a big game, you know, and, uh, it hasn't been, um, but here we have this opportunity and hopefully we'll take advantage of it so that we are like the Tom's River Norths, the Point Burrows, the Rumpsons of the Shore Conference, because Tom's River South was there, and there's no doubt in my mind we can get back there. How much pride do you take in, you know, in trying to accomplish that and being the head coach at your alma mater, like Scott said, one of the traditional, you know, powerhouse programs in the Shore? So what does that mean to you to be that coach and have this opportunity to kind of bring the program back, you know, to its usual standing? You know, I'm, I'm, Tremendously thankful to, you know, Kevin Relman, our principal here, Mr. Sitta, our superintendent, uh, Mr. Dillon, our athletic director, for giving me the opportunity because, yeah, I was not only, you know, was I a student and a football player here, uh, but my dad was a student and football player here. My mom was a student here. My grandfather was the head coach here. My uncle was the head coach here. I mean, Tom's River South runs, you know, runs in my blood without question. And to be able to uh, be a third generation uh, head football coach at High School South is something uh, that I'm ex extremely proud of uh, and most importantly thankful for because, like I said, uh, you know everything this school does, I think we do top notch and the kids, you know, or the kids in the school and the uh, teachers in the building, you know, the community is just great uh, and to be able to to be a part of it and for them to look to me uh, to to try and do the right thing on the football field uh, is it means it means the world to me. And this Pinelands game, not only for a division title, also has some state playoff implications. Sure. Um, you get a lot of points for beating them. Uh, you're right in the mix right now. I think that's got to be another factor too, because let's be honest: when kids go to the high school, they want to play in the state playoffs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's what you're there for to at least give your shot at a ring. Uh, I know you guys were in it just like two years ago, right? But I mean, I feel like this would um, be a big step forward in that regard too, to, to have some postseason action for you guys too. Oh, 100%. And even um, when when we came back here, or I came back here as an assistant in 2011, uh, that first year we kind of got things going on the right track. It wasn't we didn't finish the way we wanted to, but that second year, 
with Tymira uh, as a sophomore and Otis Carney and Darius Hart and the, the phenomenal players that we had in the program at that point. Uh, we got to the playoffs and we lost to a good Lacey team uh, with Tatella wide out. And, uh, but it definitely was what propelled us to that 2013 season. And that 2013 season uh, was a memorable one uh, for everyone involved. And we lost a heartbreaking game uh, to Shawnee in the semifinals at home. Um, but it's something, you know, that, we talked to our team about uh, surely the coaches that were on that staff that are, remain on my staff. You know, it's something that comes up, you know, every few weeks, something from that team. Uh, remember when, um, and that was, you know, all, you know, kind of born, I believe out of that uh, playoff berth versus Lacey the year before. So um, having the opportunity uh, to hopefully uh, get there this year, um, there's no doubt that, it, you know, it's a it's a great accomplishment for this year, but it's something that can springboard the program forward for years to come, um, you know, as we move forward. You know, there are some schools with nicknames for their football program. You know, I'm a Brickmore alum, the Warlords. The Hitting Indians is one of the best that you could ever imagine. So it's great to see the Hitting Indians back and playing some great football. Four and one, a huge one Friday night. I'm sure it's exactly where you hope to be in week six. So. uh Best of luck to you on Friday night, Matt. Thanks again for taking some time after practice to join us. And uh, just best of luck the rest of the way forward. Great to see Tom's River South, you know, back playing some awesome football. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for shining the spotlight on us. Uh, and I'd also just like to thank you guys for everything you're doing for the Shore Conference. I know it's not an easy job, and uh, you guys pour your heart and your minds into it each and every week. And to give our kids, not only at High School South, but throughout the Shore Conference, something to look forward to each day. Um, is, it really means a lot to us as coaches, okay? And I know it means a lot to the players, even if they don't say it that often. Thanks, guys. Thank you for the kind Thank words, you. Matt. I appreciate it. All you have to do is put up with, like, our random Jets tweets and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if everyone loves Bob when the new rankings come out every week. But yeah, yes. yeah. Like, it's hard to make friends. Hey, hey, I'm an Eagles fan, so I, I hear it all the time. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Have a great night, guys. That's Tom's River South head coach, Matt Martin. The Indians 4-1 and one and a big one. So, uh, again, like we've said a couple weeks uh, previously, great to feature some teams that are playing well but not the headline teams, and this gives us an opportunity to focus on them. So the Indians playing well. Obviously, Matt's got a lot of passion. It, it, he's not kidding. Tom's River South football runs through his blood. Ron Signorino Jr., his uncle. Ron Signorino Sr., his uncle. So, yeah, I mean, he lives and breathes South football. And he was a part of it when they were a staple. Yeah, in the so he top knows 10. what it takes. Yeah. And, you know, it's like he's not envisioning something that he hasn't seen before. He was part of it as a player. And like he said, those time year Barry teams and those other teams, they were right in the mix. Those were some of the most exciting teams in the short yes. conference those years. Barry went on to have a great career at Monmouth University. Um, but, yeah, it's good to see them. I mean, that's kind of what a lot of these realignments are in these divisions mm -hmm. is to give programs a chance to get back on solid ground, start building back up. And then, yeah, hopefully keep moving up divisions and get to that point where you are a top 10. I, I always look at Marlboro, the trajectory yes. they've had where they, for They're years, kind of the poster child for this divisional structure, where if you, the opportunity will be there for you to, you know, win games against light competition and then move up as you get better. Yeah, that's the whole thing. For so many years, they were in these impossible divisions where they were nowhere they're going to win. Like they were playing a bunch of teams, big teams, their schools. You know, some coaches will still argue, hey, if you can't beat teams the same size as your school, like that's your problem. Yes. But 
for competitive balance and for all of that, I, I think they did the right thing as far as, yeah, they moved them down a little bit, but look at what they've done. Mm -hmm. Now they are beating the, these schools, yeah. you know, they are beating the Manalapins. They are beating teams that never they used to be before. Now they're going to go toe to toe with Jackson Memorial for a division yeah. title. So I think that is kind of providing the blueprint for some of these other teams. Holmdel is another one. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the winner of this Liberty division game. Yeah that this is how you do it. And because you build so much enthusiasm with your program, you start maybe keeping kids home that don't go to a non-public yeah. school. You start getting bigger numbers to have more depth. So they're on the, they're on their way. But this, this, this Friday is a huge one because for John Tierney and for Matt Martin, you're trying to sell your program, right? Yeah. You're trying to get more kids to play. You're trying to take that next step. Take that. You play playing football is fun at mm -hmm. our school. We win. You want to be a part of it. And having an actual concrete championship to show for that yeah. is a big selling point. It's a huge building block. So uh, just looking at the week six real quick, the two big games, obviously we touched on Tom's over South Pinelands Friday night at Detweiler Stadium. I'll be there. I'll also be in Marlboro up on Route 79 on Saturday. Jackson Memorial will take the trip up to 5-0 teams. So the O must go, as the saying goes, and the winner of that game for all intents and purposes, is probably going to be that Freedom Division champion. Yeah, the winner clinches no worse than a tie and would be heavily favored in mm -hmm. any other game that they have left like yeah. in that division. So it's strength on strength. Like I said, it's two teams. They love to pound the ball. They both have really good running backs. Matt Cassidy just coming off a 200-yard game, game from yeah. Auburn. Jonah Glenn come off a 275-yard game yeah. for Jackson Memorial. He's the new one of the new like supernova stars of the shore conference mm -hmm. this year in his first varsity season, uh, two great defenses that haven't really been scored on this mm -hmm. year. Like I don't think either one of them has allowed more than 20 points in a game. I don't believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So something has to give in that regard. Uh, Aiden, or Jaden Hernandez and um, Albert Alessandro, two yeah. big X factors for Jackson as far as playmakers in the passing game. Whereas Marlboro has been primarily running defense kill the clock. Um, they are, they, their quarterback did get hurt last week. Braden Klein left the game last week with yeah. an injury. So that's a factor. You know, they're going to keep that close. To yeah, the that, best. That, that'll be the same thing. He's day to day. He's day to day because they want the other team to spend the of whole course. week preparing for somebody, whether they may not play or not. Um, but for Marlboro, this is the hugest thing because yeah. they haven't won a division title since 1994. Jackson won last year. And just you're playing a traditional powerhouse right. juggernaut program in Jackson, which I believe five sectional titles all time. So yeah, everyone knows about the Jaguars. So yeah, within the context of this season, it's huge, but just overall for the program, it's, it's a, a landmark game. win. Yeah. If you get it, uh, the real question is, can anyone stop Jonah Glenn? I mean, he, he's been unstoppable. I mean, he had, no one's even come close to holding him under a hundred yards. Now I think his season low was the 120. 26 he had at some point so i mean he's been like he's i said had multiple 200 yard games he averages 9.1 yards and just carry. copy the line that says jackson memorial sophomore jonah glenn set a new career high with and then just fill in the new number yeah basically he's been doing that every and other that's week. a big credit to jackson's offensive line yeah and the best jackson teams have big physical mean just gnarly guys up lines. Front, yeah. yeah that and that seems to certainly be the case again this year so it could be a vintage year for Jackson and Marlboro is trying to get in the way of that. And they, they, their best season ever was 10 and one, their only state championship, 1994. You get this win. Is that a Dan Klecko team? No, that was 99. They did uh, make right. the playoffs. Okay. Um, yeah. 94 was, gosh, that was like the fall after I graduated from <laughs> high school. So that's how long ago that was. Um, but yeah, I, I think that for them, 
this would be to show like we are really for real. This is not like some fluky Cinderella, like we beat a good team here or there. And even if they just really give them a game, like if they take them right to the end, it's a fourth quarter game. Somebody scores with five minutes left just to show that like we belong among this level yes. of teams. Uh, Jackson actually has been used to playing close games all year. I feel like they've played a decent amount of close. They've games. had a couple. Yeah. I mean, the Manalpa one, certainly overtime, in overtime, you know, even the Howell game where they had to, you know, pull one out at the end. So oh, they are coming off their best game of the season. They beat brick 33 to 13, a brick defense that hadn't given up a whole lot all year and uh -huh. Glenn destroyed them and almost put 300 yards on them. So they're coming flying high. Uh, yeah, too good. And then we, it's worth mentioning, Homedale can clinch no worse mm -hmm. than a tie for its division title with a win over Ocean. Yes, and I believe Brick Memorial yes. can do the same. They're at Freehold Borough uh, Saturday afternoon matinee. So only two games on Saturday. That's one of them. So some implications in that game. And then, of course, the obligatory, obligatory American division schedule. When I mean, it's like it just shows how crazy that division is when it's like, yeah, there's a couple top five, six yeah. matchups. We're not really focusing on that. This week, you know, you have Rumson uh, against Donovan Catholic and then Middletown South Red Bank Catholic, which is crazy because in most years, like that's like stop the presses. We are completely focusing on them. And while they're still you know, really good matchups, the way that division has broken out, they're not as critical as some of these other ones, which for us. We like that because we like to be able to spread it around and see. Yeah, we teams. always joke that the American division could have its own beat, right? Yeah. Like somebody who just covers like the, the top games in that mm -hmm. division every week. Uh, certainly. Rumson's trying to pull it together after two tough losses to two really good teams, RBC and Point Borough, and to have to do that against Donovan Catholic and their defense, and they're coming off mad after losing yeah. to St. Joe's Montreal. Uh, they're going to be ornery. Yeah, so that's that's a tough one. Middletown South, RBC could get interesting in the sense that South is finally pretty much at full power yeah. again with all their injured stars back. And they've played really well defensively all year. I, I know Tom's North didn't have Micah Ford in the game they played, but that was a that was a 7-7 game going into the fourth quarter. So they certainly have the defensive pieces. They have, you know, one of the best, if not the best defensive player in the shore. I mean, he's the reigning defensive player of the year, Colin Gallagher, who's just a monster. But so. RBC counters with probably this year's favorite for defense. Yeah, Davin Bruton's pretty good, too. He's been Pittsburgh returning recruit. interceptions left and right. I mean, no shore conference team has been really able to do anything against RBC's defense. That's the thing. Their defense has been unbelievable. And you even go back to that week's year game, like Bergen Catholic scored 24 points, but you were there. It wasn't easy for them. And a lot of their stars who are used to just kind of running wild were, were jammed up a lot. Yeah, they did a real nice job against their run game. You know, one run get loose here for 30 yards and then like got beat over the top on one like sort of miscommunication. But it wasn't like Bergen Catholic was just going up and down the field on them at will, which they were mm -hmm. not. So if you can, you know, jam up a team like that, you certainly have the, you know, the talent against most other teams to just completely shut yeah. them down. And the, the tough thing for South going into this game is it's really, really hard to be one-dimensional and beat RBC. Like, even Bergen Catholic couldn't just line up and run everybody. Yeah, you're not going to do it. No. So they're going to have to do something in the passing game or it's going to be a tough night. And the scary part about that is Elijah Ross is now one of the best. Uh, Emmanuel Ross. Or Emmanuel yeah. Ross is now one of the best cornerbacks yeah. in, uh, like, the shore, maybe the state. So he's going to line up against your top wideout, and that guy's maybe going to disappear for the rest of the game. So it's, it's uh, <laughs> puts him in witness protection. Yeah, and you have Bruton back there, and Luke Wasif, and a big defense. Jamie Gutridge had a really yeah, big Jamie game against Seton All Prep. So you know, Portella up front on the defensive line. Uh, they they they're just so stacked. It's tough 
to for South, the one positive of these next two games, it, it, they play Don or they play yeah RBC and, and then, then Donovan, Donovan. Catholic. yeah, which is really tough. But well, at least they'll come with a wheelbarrow into fall. the playoffs. Yeah. You just face two teams that are better than any team you're going to see in your bracket. Yeah, the only the only team that could even approach, well, mainland. Yeah, I mean, there Millville is in there too. Yeah. But the point is, like, you're not. It's a short list of teams that can approach a the talent level and then just you know how good they are as a team. You know, in the and in the way South season has gone, you just want to get through those games with all your star players intact. Yeah, they got wiped by the injury bug early in the year where mm-hmm. guys were just dropping right and left at important positions and key players, uh, but. That's life in the American division. Yeah, it's a, it's a grind, to say the least. So you can check all that out. We'll have our picks, uh, the, the schedule, uh, sc- certainly the scoreboard, all that stuff be up this weekend. Looking forward to an interesting slate of Week 6 games. Uh, thanks again to our guest, Point Borough Head Coach Brian Staub, Tom's River South Head Coach Matt Martin, of course, our sponsor each and every week, Varsity Link. It's the Athlete Social Media Network. Check them out at varsitylink.com. Download the app on the App Store and the Google Play Store. That'll do it for us. For Scott Stump, I'm Bob Batters. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you again next week on the Varsity Link Coaches Corner.